I am um, extremely pragmatic uh, <laughs> surgeon by nature. So I, I look at things logistically. And so I'm going to be very honest with you. I was like, this is never going to work. People are never going to do this. This doesn't make any sense to me because how could, how, why, why that the why killed me? Why would people invest themselves when we're all busy in our own life? What if there were a bigger story than disability? You're listening to more conversations at the center of the movement to build connection and belonging in an age of isolation. Tasha and Sophie are both doctors, and like so many families juggling careers and children, time is a precious commodity. When they started to build community on their block by planning a neighborhood carnival, at first they were skeptical. But they soon discovered many neighbors also wanted to live in a connected neighborhood, and a few older residents even shared memories of how this is the way things used to be. So their story shows how projects like a neighborhood carnival can help us come back to the connectedness of the past, but in a new, more inclusive way. We're all feeling a little nostalgia for the way things used to be right now, before there was a pandemic to worry about. So maybe listening to Tasha and Safi's story will help you, the listener, imagine what you might do to connect in your neighborhood once we aren't living in a climate of social distancing anymore. And it might spark for you some plans or ideas to connect more with your neighbors when it's safe to again. Something really important to note, too, is that Tasha and Safi realize that it's not just about focusing on including their child with a disability into the community, but it's about incorporating life around their child and around their entire family and how much more life-giving and impactful to the entire community it is when you don't make disability the center of the story. We did a project um, that involved our entire neighborhood in a carnival um, event. So um, our daughter, Soraya, who is seven, um, she has some uh, issues when it comes to large crowds and gets um, kind of overstimulated. One of the things that our kids love to do is go to the school carnival, except for Soraya, she has a hard time going to the school carnival. And it's one of the things that she misses out on because of the large crowds. This gave us the idea of doing something in our neighborhood that that something that maybe she would enjoy as well. And so what the idea was is trying to pick a date that we could um, always remember to kind of be able to do as an annual event. So we decided to choose the last day of school for our event. We, we tried to get each one of our neighbors involved by having kind of like a station or an event or a game on their front yard of their house. And so this was an outdoor event that involved inflatables. Um, we had um, a beer truck. We had appetizers. We had food. Um, and so pretty much every house in our neighborhood had a responsibility to have something in the front of the yard. And those that couldn't participate in that way. We found other ways for them to participate, whether it was a bag of ice, water bottles, um, and that was kind of the event. Yeah, so um, I love how you created a set of rules for this event that kind of you would have stations, you would have different uh, activities going on at different people's houses. And everybody could go wherever and can disperse. Um, the one thing that we did do is have a game that required you to go to every station. So that way we knew that people would have some motivation to, to leave one spot. Um, so that kind of helped ah. as far as um, mixing people up. So describe the space to me and just, just describe the layout of what this all looked like. Sure, we have, uh, we live in a cul-de-sac. The reason why we wanted to have everyone 
every house in the entire cul-de-sac involved, but there was some limitations and some challenges that we ran into. Those being people that had to come in and out of work. And then we had one family that was actually moving and moving out of the country and they are moving that same week. So we had to kind of uh, make some changes from the original plan of trying to involve everybody. So really instead it was a span of eight houses um, that had an event and then there were still some empty houses, but that was purposeful. So that way um, people could kind of come and go without feeling stressed out, like, oh, my gosh, they're having an, a, a neighborhood carnival and we can't get through. Um, so not everybody participated on the street and not everybody came. Correct. However, really, the only people that didn't come were the people that were moving. We had over 100 people. Wow. Yeah, that, so, that sounds like Halloween in May. Yes, <laughs> bigger it, bigger it, than it, Halloween. It, it actually was bigger than Halloween. Halloween is also big in our neighborhood, but it was way bigger than we expected. Yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of this idea that Priya Parker has. I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with her book, The Art of Gathering. No. Um, this idea behind gathering as a way to connect people, so not just gathering as a way to eat dinner and then leave and nobody really has meaningful conversations, but that it's a space where you actually, as a host or a hostess, you're extremely intentional about how people interact. One thing that she says is that you, um, it, every gathering is an opportunity to create a temporary alternative world for those who enter it. And so uh, one of the ways to do that is by creating these rules. And it sounds like having each uh, house sort of host a different thing. These are all like different kind of rules that are different from the norm of society that we live in. Right. Um, so you guys, you guys, did you feel like you kind of did that created this alternative space for three hours in your neighborhood? I, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. I cannot explain to you in words what it felt like. I totally felt that way. It. I feel like I even look at my neighborhood differently now after the fact, but while I was in it, it totally felt like a different dimension and just watching people interact that I've never seen interact, meeting neighbors that I never knew I had. Um, it definitely felt like a safe place where for whatever reason, if I saw that same neighbor walking their dog, I wouldn't sit and chat with them. But in this space, it felt different. You could go up to anybody and everybody and everybody was talking with one another. So I definitely like when you said that it gave me chills because I can definitely relate to that feeling. That's what it felt like. Yeah. You know, one of the questions we get a lot is how to invite people in and create that space where people feel energized and motivated and um, to kind of connect and be more than just like neighbors who pass each other in the on the street or like wave as they're walking their dog. You know, um, it sounds like you got everybody engaged and interested in some ways. Can you describe like what that looked like to to create that space and energize people in this way? As far as what I think got people to feel safe, is that what you mean? 
Yeah, like what? So, I mean, the other part of yeah, the other part of this is is where Priya Parker talks about a lot, a lot, a large majority of the gathering happens before the gathering even happens. Gotcha. Right. So, like, it's it's actually about it's about preparing people for the gathering. Yeah. Um. So, I guess that's the question: is how yep. did you prepare people for this gathering? Yeah. So I um I think that we started having monthly meetings in January. And I think the first meeting, it's kind of like that long shot, like, can we really make this happen? But then the fact that there were people that showed up to the meeting was really exciting. Each time there was almost like a scramble of people, some that were consistent, some that were not. And each time the group of people just got more comfortable with one another. And it was actually a lot of fun watching the relationships just change per meeting, even though we were planning for a separate event. It was by the last meeting that I had told Safi, I said, you know, it's almost like even if like there's massive downpour and this event just doesn't happen or can't happen, like I already feel like things are building and things are changing and that in itself felt differently just in the relationships. Like I had to get people's cell phone numbers, which I didn't have just to communicate about when to meet, who's meeting what. And then we just became invested together to make things happen. And then I thought I would be the only one kind of just worried about the weather. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this is like, you know, our project. And, um, but you know, I'm kind of the one that like started this idea. So, you know, I feel so much pressure, but it was really like, everybody felt that they're like, oh, we've got to make sure that the rain stays away. What's our plan? I just felt Mm -hmm. like everyone felt equally invested because they all put something into it. And that in itself felt differently than how I would have imagined from the first meeting. And I think that buildup is really what created the space, not only for kind of like, I don't want to say core, but kind of the core group, but each one of those cores knew like other families that I didn't know. So they were sharing information with people that I never talked to, but because they had shared that, then other people knew about it which made them invested. And then other people were like, oh, we were praying for you because we know we got your email and you've been working so hard on it. And it's like, I don't even know who these people are, but that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, can you describe what your neighborhood was like? What were your connections like in your neighborhood before this process started? So we've been in this neighborhood. It'll be four years this summer. Um, I think that there is, I don't want to say a divide, but maybe it kind of feels that way for those that have children and those that don't or have older children. And so I feel like the pulse of the neighborhood that I am connected to are the people that have young children because we see each other at the bus stops. Um, We see each other after school. We can relate at school events. We see each other. We say hi to each other, you know, at school events or if our kids are riding bikes outside. I think with the, the other families that have older children and um, that are retired, we don't really get a chance to interact with them. And maybe the only time that I would is when we're trick-or-treating and then we go around and we happen to, to see people. But then it's like you trick-or-treat, you might say hi. doesn't really allow for a whole lot of conversation that maybe is meaningful that can kind of carry over. So I really wouldn't know anybody if they didn't have a school-aged child. 
So when you went to people in your neighborhood who you might not have typically talked to in the past, how did you come to them? What's what was your purpose, I guess? What what did you tell them your purpose was? Well, and our purpose kind of shifted. So the one thing that kind of took a life of its own is in thinking about different ideas for different stations, it came up that one of our neighbors who um, is in the in the classification of children that are older, children that have moved out of the house, was recently diagnosed with ALS. And so one of the, the neighbors that was involved in kind of heavily through the first planning meeting, she's close with that family. I didn't even know this family's name. And she said, you know, so-and-so was just diagnosed with ALS. Can we do something for ALS at this carnival? Maybe we'll, we'll raffle off prizes and all the money can go to the local ALS chapter. And I'm like, yes, that sounds great. Let's go with it. And what had happened was in thinking about how to get my own kids involved in the carnival, my daughter, who loves like raffle prizes, really wanted to be the one to collect either donated items or sell the raffles. So her and her best friend went around, but um, Safi went along with them. And I really think that was a pivotal point in this carnival because it made them stop at every house, have a conversation about a neighbor that we all I, I mean, I care about him, but I've never met him up until the carnival, which is kind of crazy. But the fact mm-hmm. that we were all coming around for him, even though I've never met him and explaining that to our kids and then going house to house, some of these neighbors really know this person really well. And that meant they really were really warm to us. And each house was not like, here's $5. Each house was like, come in and let's talk. We want to get to know you guys. And Safi actually went along. Oh, wow. want to know more about that. But I think that that really connected the younger families from the older families. That's amazing. And I think going into it, maybe looking at it as something fun, we're going to do a carnival and also then kind of unearthing this way to support your neighbors beyond something just that would be great and fun is is like a really critical piece of community, right? Because community isn't all fun and games all the time. There's a lot of life in community. And so you were kind of confronted with a real life issue and you guys were able to incorporate that. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, Safi, what was that like going door to door? Did you, when you were invited into people's houses, did you stay long? Were you kind of like politely, like I got to go or, or how did those interactions go? Like like what, in like what is typical in our life, there was a actual time limit that needed to be, uh, adhered to because, uh, we had one of the girls, her best friend had violin, like a flute practice that she had to get to, but like we were polite, but it was actually fairly amazing because as we were going from door to door, like a lot of these people, I see them, I wave to them, but it's not like I actually have a um, an established relationship with them. It was wonderful to have them come in and like like one of the one of the neighbors is like fostering some kittens, and our daughter Yasmin loves kittens, and like she took me to the back and like with with the kids, and she's like here's what the cages, but then oh my gosh, they have this amazing backyard. She's telling me about her grandkids. And like you and your wife, thank you guys for doing this. We, you know, this is really great. You know, please come back at some point. We'd love to have a glass of a wine with you guys, you know, in our back porch. I mean, they have an incredible back porch, but it's like, it was one of those things where it's like, you don't know them, but it was pretty awesome to see them not just, Hey, here's a raffle ticket money. It was more like, Hey, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with investing in you in a little bit. And I think that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like people were sort of waiting for that almost like, oh, not waiting, but like they were just so ready for somebody to knock on their door and be. So so, so I think a lot of the the older couples, like the ones that have kids, they used to do all kinds of stuff like this in this neighborhood. Like they used to have these events every October. They have Oktoberfest and every like they'd have all kinds of stuff. But like as the kids grew up, they kind of stopped doing it. And like, I think that. In some ways, this is rekindling some really good camaraderie that they had previously. It's not like the neighbors didn't like each other, but it was more like they didn't want to invest anymore because the kids are kind of gone. Like you end up doing a lot of investment when your kids are small because, you know, that's, that's their friends. That's their good buddies. That's their you know classmates or whatever. But like I think it's great that it actually involved both the older and the younger couples in order to kind of come together for not just, you know, not just for our neighbor that has ALS. But I think in general, I think people were waiting for an opportunity to kind of come together as a micro community. That was a recurring thing that kind of came up when I'd walk around and meet people that I hadn't met. They'd say, you know, we used to do things like this. Thanks for thanks for making this happen again. We used to do things like this. And we want to do it again. Thank you so much. So that was actually a recurring statement that happened from um, a lot of people that I had just met that were maybe had are retired and have older children. Yeah, it just makes me think there's some gap that happened, you know, between this generation of maybe when it, there was activities that you could do in the community, there's some gap that happened in the in the 90s or something where everybody just kind of went inside and started turning more inward to eat your family and all of the things like you said, you know, one of the little girls that you went with, she had a, she had a practice she had to go to. She's the, our schedules are really full and so making the time for this is possible, but it's a little bit maybe even more challenging than it was back when they when these neighbors you you said were we're doing it. So, so I think in that way, it's, it's great. You're rekindling something and you're also reinventing even what that is and how it can happen. Were there any surprises that happened throughout this? Did anything come up that, you know, either was a kind of a roadblock or something that just really took you by surprise? I would say how much the ALS fundraiser took a life of its own. Um, it really became Almost a focus, a big part of it, which was, I mean, it was awesome. It was something that we didn't foresee. I would say that. I would say the weather. We had a rain date that we said, but then actually putting that into place and kind of canceling things to to redo them on another day was a surprise on how hard that was going to be. And um, then when we thought the weather had been clear enough, then all of, out of nowhere, which we couldn't plan for this, was just complete downpour and it hit the forecast it said clear for a couple of hours and i was like okay we didn't plan for this and all the food got destroyed because it wasn't under a tent but what was really cool Less about that more. it was at least 10 to 12 minutes of just awful awful downpour and then everybody stayed and that was really amazing that there was no food look it was all destroyed and people still stayed and like in during that during the downpour it actually forces you to hang out with people that maybe you don't normally do because there really wasn't a choice of that or absolutely get soaked to the bone. I mean, it was like absolutely torrential rain. Because we only had a couple of tents um, for certain certain kind of events. So 
and I think each time Safi and I were surprised that people were actually invested. I, I, I mean, I, I kept saying that the entire time. I'm like, I cannot believe people are actually helping out and wanting to help out. I love this idea that the, the neighborhood stuck around after a torrential downpour. You never know when those are going to end. You know, you don't know, okay, this is going to last 15 minutes. And so people hung around. What was it? What was it that I want to kind of unearth what was inside of you that was being surprised? What was your expectation, I guess? Or what were the experiences that you had had leading up to that that caused you to be so surprised that people would be invested in the way that they were? One being we've never had anything like this in our neighborhood. Oh, and I guess we've tried to do some social events with the couples that we are friends with where we tried to do a progressive. But even when we tried to do that a second year, like nobody really wanted to step up. Nobody wanted to do it. And that was like something that was pretty easy. It was like each house had an appetizer. That's literally it. So, and you go from house to house and yeah. everybody kind of hosts their own food. And, and so and so a second year of that was not it happening. Didn't even happen. so just knowing. And, no, yeah. I mean, there is another family that has a Christmas party every year and it's kind of like super fun. We all go. But then last year, none of the other neighbors went except Safi and I. And we couldn't figure out why. I mean, it, it's just it's just a party. But. So between those few experiences that we've had, we were kind of like, this is going to fizzle out. Like they'll might say they're excited from the first meeting, but then I just don't see people like maintaining this like motivation to continue. And, and that's what was shocking. What was also, you know, what gives me hope though, is just how excited people were during the event. After the event was over, there were still people hanging out. And then even now, the emails that are going back and forth with people that I don't typically talk to talking about the event and how they want to do it next year and what what we'll do differently. And like, let's brainstorm um, for how we're going to do this next year. Oh, the other surprising thing. Sorry, I'm jumping back. This was really challenging for us. Everybody really wanted to know where the money came from. And I don't know if Tim told you that for this event, we were actually trying not to mention Starfire. We didn't want to take away any of the focus. We didn't want any like publicity around Starfire at this point. And that was actually challenging. And I think that that some of that has to do with there were some people that were skeptical, like, where did you get this community grant that would give, you know, kind of like an affluent area uh, or neighborhood money to do something like that? And so everybody wanted to know what the catch was, like, what is what is the catch Uh in this? So that was also like literally up until the day of. On set up, on set up day, on set up day, on set up day, we had one neighbor ask us three times, like, I'd really like to make signs at the tables. It'd be wonderful to put a thank you to who gave the money. Now it's the oh. day. I think you can tell us. I think you can tell us. So long story short, we ended up telling people after the event because they were still asking. They're like, the event's over. I'm like, fine, Starfire. <laughs> like, I'll have to talk to the person on Monday about what to do now that I've told everybody, but I don't even know how to like <laughs> deal with this. But it was something that I could not believe that people's curiosity would not let go of that. Would not. So is Starfire to you a very uh, like stigmatizing kind of way of presenting it? Is that why you avoided it? Because it's related to a disability? Tim actually told us to do that. It wasn't a matter of stigma. It was more a matter of his experience was the second you say Starfire, it becomes, a disability, it becomes a disability project, which is kind of the antithesis yes. of what the concept is. So I actually completely agreed with him. I was like, yeah, 
I was like, the longer we can not tell people, the better, because then the focus should not be Soraya. I did not want to throw a carnival for Soraya. That wasn't the point. The point was we wanted to incorporate our micro community here with our life, which would in some day would include Soraya, but not because they need to. It's because they actually are incorporated in our life anyways. That to me was the more primary focus. And I think that if we would have made this Starfire any earlier than when it's done, the research and the Google searches would have led them directly to the disability arm of Starfire. And then all of a sudden the entire I think fever feeling and flavor of the carnival may have changed. And that it that would that would have made me sad. Because I think what we what we created was something much bigger than a carnival for Soraya. I, I think that what we created was a real chance for this community, which the, the local, our double courts and the street that brings us in, to really get together and, and to and, and and in this case, it ended up being for our neighbor with ALS, and I think that's awesome. Like that's kind of the point, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and so well said. So one of the things that's bringing up to me when you're saying that everybody kind of stuck around and was invested, what I'm thinking about is how key to community gifts are, people's gifts. Maybe the comparison between the progressive dinner and the carnival is that everybody everybody was able to offer their gift in some way by being a host of a carnival activity. So was that piece, do you think, central? Was Were any gifts of your neighbors brought to light in a way that hadn't been shown before, that you didn't know about them before? All of them. Uh, okay. We, oh, like, okay. Actually, that was that was it. I mean, you you already nailed it. Like, we have one neighbor that nobody had spoken to except Safi that owns a pizzeria or multiple pizzerias, and he single handed handedly donated all the pizzas for the entire carnival and, and, and like, met and like, so many people. And, and the other thing is, like, you know, I think that story is actually worthwhile diving into. Is that he's kind of a enigma for the neighborhood, like. Uh, he works a ton, so we don't see him very often. The house always kind of sort of seems to be empty, but it's not. And so, like, you know, people have all kinds of mystery theories about him. But the bottom line is he's kind of a real estate mogul and he owns a bunch of pizzerias. And so, like, he is constantly busy. Here is a guy that nobody knew that by the middle of the night, he was the place to go hang out. He offered, like, we had to move the bounce house out of where we had it. He offered it, no problem, in the front of his neighborhood, in the front of his yard. I would have never picked his house to be the one to put the bounce house in and then have all the kids essentially live. Like, there's so many great pictures of all the neighborhood boys sitting on his front porch. If you would have told me six months ago that that picture would have been taken, I would have laughed, literally. I'd be like, no way. Like, people didn't even know his name. People, nobody yeah. had, a, had ever even really met like, him. Even their next door neighbors, who is really good friends with us, because I've lived here for three years and I didn't really know him, they talked for an hour and a half. And like the guy that we're talking about, our neighbor, the one that, you know, that owns a pizzeria, he came up to me at the end of it. He's like, listen, he goes, I just wanted to thank you. He goes, I've lived here for three years. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood like this. He's like, I got to speak with about everybody here. And I actually got to know people. And I really appreciate that. Like that's, that is fantastic. And that to me kind of summed up the night because there's the guy that literally is like a mystery. <laughs> He's like a ghost in the neighborhood. And now not only does everybody know him, but like he knows them. And I feel like that could be the beginning of him feeling like he can more incorporate himself and his family 
in this community. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it just sounds like this has changed something. Like it is a life change for you guys. It is a lifestyle change. Now we want to know what happens next. You know, like where can we go from there? Mm -hmm. And that's like something that we've talked about. What's the best approach? But like, we don't want it to stop now. And so like thinking how to like make that happen. You know, that's something that we've been thinking about because I'm telling you, it's life altering. And and we will tell you this as a secret, even though this is being recorded. Safi and I were so skeptical of this. We did not think it, it worked. I must be just a real pessimist. No, we no. Really, I mean, I, mean, I really I'm, did not see this happening like, like this. We like yeah. shocked every time I'd look at the Evite, I'd be like, what? Katie, People I, are I, coming I'm, to this and it's a Thursday night. So like it's just like I don't, Katie, I don't I can't uh, even imagine yeah. I am um, extremely pragmatic uh, <laughs> surgeon by nature. So I, I look at things logistically. And so I'm going to be very honest with you. I was like, this is never going to work. People are never going to do this. This doesn't make any sense to me because how could, how, why, why? That the why killed me. Why would people invest themselves when we're all busy in our own life? That's what happens. But it is remarkable to see the difference in when people actually feel like they want and they want to do this. They're willing to go a mile. That I, I we made a sign up genius in order. Oh, we didn't. Well, our neighbor yeah, did. You made a sign up genius to to do essentially shifts to like watch the bounce house or whatever. And I'm like, there were so many slots. I was like, this is never going to get filled. Yeah. It got filled in like two weeks, every slot. Oh, wow. I could yeah. not believe it. I was like, these are people, they live in our neighborhood. They're willing to spend a half hour watching other people's kids. It, it, it's just unbelievable. Like, like just because they, it just needed to get done. And I was like, this is what I want. This is the neighborhood I want to live in now for good. It's like, it's a different feeling for me when I drive home. It's a different feeling when I drive into the neighborhood. Like this morning, I pulled the window down and chatted with one of our neighbors when at seven o'clock when he's walking his dogs, I would not have done he's that. He's never done that. Before. I would have not have done that a week ago. And I am a super friendly guy, I think by in general, but it's different though, because there's no context to put your window down and be like, Hey, how's it going? It, it was actually, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So the, con yeah, the context has totally changed where you guys live. The, you've changed the context in a three-hour time span carnival that was planned over time. And and now you guys have whatever comes from this. I just want to say, because you keep saying you, you want to know what's next. And I think what I've experienced and seen at least is that it, it, it evolves and it is, it is just different now. Like what is next is that you guys have this neighborhood to live in. And, and whether or not the carnival happens actually is like kind of incidental. Um, but it's you making that effort to uh, wind down your window and say hi to a neighbor walking by with the dog that that's actually going to be the whatever the next phase is going to come from those types of interactions. But what is your hope for people who want to build community but don't know how? I mean, I mean, even though it seems very unstructured, I think that just just trust it because a lot of it I'm like, oh, I don't know how to go about even like getting a meeting started. When you're talking to people, act like everyone's coming. Make it a real convenient time. Try to kind of identify who your champion person is going to be. Make sure they can make it. Talk to everybody else like everyone's going to make it. Okay, I did that. It worked. So as much as you might have doubt and hesitation, if you really follow what your in intent is going to be for the project and you're passionate about that, know that if you just take those little steps with each phase of the process that this will happen and kind of have faith in that 
you know, I, I think that as as the process moves forward, there are certain steps that are deliberate in terms of, OK, you guys have that first meeting and you got to come up with this idea. And like it, it to me, I was overwhelmed initially. Where it was like, how do you come up with like the idea or I come up with the meeting? But like the reality is trusting that particular process, like Tosh said, I think is really important because, you know, it's unconventional. It's not what you normally think, at least for me, it was. It's not what I normally thought in terms of like trying to bring people together. But this concept, the Starfires onto something, this concept of incorporating life around, say, like our child with disability or somebody, the concept should not be really just the focus of disability, but the concept really should be incorporating that person within that life around them that they already live. Anyways, I, I, I am a firm believer now. I also think that if somebody said, here, Tasha, here's some money, go plan a carnival. And if I didn't have the guidance of Starfire, it would have looked totally different because in my mind, I would have created something and I would say, this is what I want and this is how it's going to be. One of the biggest things that Tim had kind of told me along the way is be flexible in how this is going to look, because how you imagine it may not be how your neighbors imagine it and let them take the lead on ideas that they have. That's something that I probably would not have allowed. And I would have been like, no, 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 that's yeah. not what I'm that's not what I'm thinking. No, we're not doing any ALS fundraiser. I want a carnival. OK, I want a band. I want clowns. So um, just point being that it took the pressure off of me when I let people take on their own vision. And it was actually really nice to, like, have that kind of leadership where it was like somebody would mention something. I'd be like, great, go ahead and look into it and we'll do it. That sounds awesome. So that was, that was a big takeaway as far as, um, you know, trying to plan an event like this. And if I was in the beginning of it, I think it's important to remember that it might take a life of its own and that's okay. Yep. And, And people tend to invest themselves, I think in general, in things that they have a say in and things that they have a vision in where otherwise it's not necessarily them. So I felt like when I was walking around the carnival, really I was seeing a bunch of different visions from all of our neighbors kind of put together in an organized fashion. And I think that that is very different than I think that if Tosh and I had our way of doing it, we would have done it because we're very like pragmatic, like this is how it's going to be type people in terms of like trying to organize things. But I think this way, everybody can look around and see themselves within the carnival. And I think that that is exactly the point is be able to say, not only do I want to be a part of this, but I want to be a part of this because I helped build this. Like that's, that's awesome because that's not what I initially envisioned because I didn't think people were capable, honestly, of doing it in terms of like doing it consistently for six months of planning and all this. But, but they did. It was just beautiful how people like chipped in. Well, and it's some really solid advice. And I think it's also getting to something that's maybe at the core of why, as Americans, we are so lonely. And one of those reasons is that we've taken on this idea that we have to do it all ourselves and that we are independent. And if we ask for help or if we um, let things be less than perfect in what we imagine it to be, that we're failing at something. And so um, being able to offer that inclusivity of everybody's gifts, everybody's opinions, everybody's ideas is countercultural right now, but it's what we need. And I think it's what's um, what's proving to you all that is what your neighbors needed as well. And I just think it's such a beautiful story. So I thank you guys for sharing it. Starfire is a nonprofit in Cincinnati, Ohio, 
that is heightening the collective imagination for what is positive and possible in the lives of people with disabilities. If you'd like to be involved, please go to our website, starfirecincy.org backslash families.